Hi everyone, this is a special episode of Fire Breathing Kittens. I'm the GM for an upcoming session using the rules for more zombies by W.H. Arthur. I also play Guvo in the series. In this episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts after reading the rules. Hopefully this episode will be a handy guide for how to play, will help me organise and will be useful for you listeners too because you might want to play the game afterwards. So I'm going to be going through loads of different topics to help you understand the game from character creation, how to set it up, how to scavenge, how to push your luck, when zombies attack, prompts and needs, escaping and how the game ends and what happens in the epilogue. You belong to a colony of survivors in the zombie apocalypse. Running low on supplies, you plan to try your luck at the shopping mall. Unfortunately, the place is infested with zombies and caution is required. Once roused, the zombies are relentless until they get a taste of your brains. Okay, let's set up the game. What you'll need is a deck of cards, preferably a zombie-themed one, just for that extra narrative spark. Separate the cards into three piles. All the number cards are the court cards, aka the Jack, the Queen, the Kings, and the two Jokers. Now we're going to shuffle the number cards together and create seven face-down piles of three cards by drawing from this number deck. Once we have these seven face-down piles, we turn over the top card in each pile. So each pile should now have one face-up card and two face-down cards underneath. So we just created our shops for the players to scavenge from. The top card in each one of these piles tells us the prompt for that shop. This is a list of names given in the rules such as wisdom, luxury, power, etc. So you can come up with the rest of the name yourself. If one of the piles has a six as the top visible card, the prompt in the game indicates that it's an electrical store. So we could call it Robert's Bits and Bobs. So we know what type of items might be in that store. Obviously it's going to be an electrical shop, so it could be light bulbs, drills, you know, whatever you find in a typical electrical shop. Then we take the remaining cards we didn't draw and shuffle the two jokers into that pile to create a main deck. The players will be drawing from this main deck during the game when scavenging through the shops. The court cards are shuffled and set aside as a zombie deck. We draw from this deck when players are attacked by the zombies. And that completes the setup. So before we go on, we're going to discuss what our players are going to be looking for during the game. The group first discuss what things their colony needs to survive. You know, things like food, batteries, heating, clothes, medicine, entertainment. Once they've decided on those five needs, this will be the basis for what your players are going to focus on when scavenging. So now let's look on how to actually scavenge through the mall. During the game, your players will be scavenging for supplies by looking through the different shops that you've created. Mechanically, this is surging through the piles of cards one after the other. So for example, Rosie, a widowed survivor of the Connolly, has spotted Robert's bits and bobs and decides to scavenge through the shop to find some useful tools for the Connolly. Now she needs to describe her memory of that shop. So she gives an example of how she'd find her late husband Barry in the shop every time they went to the mall together, thumbing through the bargain bins looking for a great deal on hammers. It would annoy her at the time, but now it just makes her miss him even more. So the more narrative detail is the better in this game. Encourage your players to really go ham in their descriptions and take literally as long as they want. So the GM now turns over the remaining cards in that pile with the number six shown on it, because that one indicates that it's Robert's bits and bobs, and shows the group what is in that pile. The cards are turned over and now read a six of hearts, a six of spades, and a ten of spades. 
So what are we actually looking for in this pile? So the players are trying to find one of three outcomes related to a poker hand. The best of these is a three of a kind, aka a three threes or three tens, or a straight flush like one, two, and three of hearts. So if that outcome is reached, the players find more than what they expected and then describe how that item fulfills one of the needs that they've chosen during the game and how it's better than what they expected. The second outcome is a straight or a flush. So this is like a one, two, and three in, in any suit or three cards and they're all hearts or spades. If they get that outcome, they find what they need and then just describe how the item fulfills one of the needs. So it's not like they've found more than they expected. They've just found exactly what they wanted. And then lastly, a pair. So, you know, two twos or two tens. Uh, if that's the outcome they get, then they find something, but it's either defective or like an inferior quality. And then the player needs to elaborate on those details. So if they find none of those things, they find nothing of use at all. So it doesn't match any of the group's needs for the colony. So what if those three cards don't match up to anything? So, you know, it's you may think it's a complete waste, but at this point, the players can push their luck. So what they do is they're going to draw more cards from that main deck. The one that we created that now has jokers in, okay, zombies. Rosie has drawn the six of hearts, six of spades, and 10 of spades, as we said. That's two spades, which is close to a flush, and two sixes which is also close to three of a kind. So Rosie decides to draw from the main deck and pushes her luck. So when a player pushes their luck, they've got to describe what they're doing. You know, for example, breaking down a locked door, removing rubble from a blocked corridor, etc. So Rosie breaks through the employee's only door at the back of the shop. The GM draws a card from the main deck and adds it to the pile. It's a six of clubs. So this now gives Rosie three sixes and a three of a kind which means she finds more than what she wanted. And then she describes how the item fulfills one of the needs and how it's better than they expected. Rosie describes finding a pile of brand new tools from saws, hammers, and hand drills, you know, perfect for fixing and building a better shelter for the colony. So these cards that have been drawn don't get put back into the main deck and stay in that area that's already been scavenged. So what if Rosie drew a Joker card from the main deck when she was pushing her luck? Well, now this is where the brutality of the game comes into play. So now Rosie draws a Joker instead of that six of clubs. And the GM indicates she stumbled into a zombie attack. The GM draws a card from the zombie deck, aka the deck of court cards that we created earlier, and tells Rosie what she's facing. So if the GM drew a Jack, you describe that, Rosie survives by fighting or escaping from the zombies, but then she would need to describe how she did that. If the GM drew a queen, Rosie is attacked by an infected survivor. Then she tells us whether she noticed their strange behaviours recently, but she's dead. And if the GM drew a king, Rosie is attacked by a swarm of zombies, and then she can describe to us how she dies. After the zombie attack, we put the Joker back in the main deck, shuffle it, and then we put a court card back into the zombie deck as well. So we shuffle both of those decks together. So now we're thinking, okay, the, the Joker is put back into that main deck, but we know there's less cards in it and it's been shuffled. So information that we may have gained earlier has been changed. So you think, so, well, how can we mitigate these effects? Because at the moment, you know, we don't have much sway or edge over the randomness of those decks. So this is where we can go into the character creation. 
So creating a character is very simple. Uh, each player takes control of a single survivor in the zombie apocalypse. They give their name, their pronouns, and then they choose one special ability. So these special abilities give the players tools to look through the main deck before drawing from it. There are three abilities. Careful. A player can look at the top card of the main deck in secret and then put it at the bottom of that deck. Daring. Look at the two top cards of the main deck in secret and then you can shuffle the deck. And then lastly, wise. Look at the top three cards of the main deck in secret and then you can put them back in any order. So what does that look like when we're scavenging with these special abilities? So let's now rewind time and figure out how Rosie could have mitigated that zombie attack. So Rosie has the ability Wise, which means she can look at the top three cards of the main deck in secret and then put them back in any order. She enters Robert's Bits and Bobs, does her description, looks at the cards, same as before, six of hearts, six of spades and ten of spades. She can now use her special ability to look at the top three cards of the main deck in secret. She draws the cards and now in order, it comes out Joker, six of clubs and eight of spades. So it's a good thing she checked as she would have drawn that Joker and had that zombie attack. She now puts them back in a different order. At the bottom, Joker, then the Eight of Spades, then the Six of Clubs. So when she draws from that deck, she'll be drawing the Six of Clubs. So now once all the piles have been scavenged and players have got pretty much out what they can, it's time for them to escape. This can also be triggered if all the players are basically dying too quickly and there's only a few, a few of them left. So obviously they just want to get out with what they've got. So are the remaining surviving characters a leader is chosen between them because they will be now drawing from a new set of three cards created by the GM from the main deck. Well, you know, whatever cards are left from the main deck. So the leader can push their luck as normal. And if a joke is revealed, you know, a standard zombie attack rules proceed. So what makes this different is we're still looking for three of a kind, straight flush, etc. But they'll be giving us different outcomes. So if they get a three of a kind or a straight flush, all the surviving players escape. And then they describe how the group outsmarted the rest of the zombie horde that was attacking them. If they get a straight or a flush, one player sacrifices themselves to allow the others to escape. And then they can narrate how they do that. So they get a pair and they've got one remaining player, including the leader. Then the leader can choose a single player to escape. They describe how that happens. And then the remaining players can find a different exit, which means drawing a new set of three cards. So if they get none of them, as in they didn't get a three of a kind, they didn't get a straight flush, there's no straight, there's no flush, there's no pair, they can't escape and they're stuck in there forever to die by the zombies. So if they have managed to escape, uh, we now check at the ending. So the ending depends on how well the players have gathered items and how good the items are. If the scavenge supplies fulfill all the need, and this is less than half of them being defective, and at least one player is alive, the Connolly thrives. They can take all those items back to the Connolly and, you know, they're doing well. So now they describe how the living conditions improve from those items that they got from them all. If the scavenge supplies fulfill only some of the needs, so we're talking probably like three out of the five, and at least one player is alive, the Connolly survives, and then they describe how the Connolly has setbacks from the unfulfilled needs that they couldn't get. If all the players are dead, and then they describe as a group, uh, if the scavenge supplies reach back to the Connolly somehow, you know, so maybe someone else goes and picks them up somehow. And then if they fail to get any items, the Connolly collapses, and then they describe how that happens. Then the players can have an epilogue. This is, you know, if the players are still alive, and, you know, they've gone back to Connolly and it's not been destroyed, then they can describe what happens 
after the events of the the mall that they went through. And then dead players can describe their afterlife as a zombie. Are they munching on the brains of more victims? Are they stuck walking around in circles or are they behind a locked door somewhere? You know, get really um, descriptive on this and have fun with it. So you can get this game, if you like the sound of it, as a pay what you want on drive-through RPG. And it's More Zombies by W.H. Arthur.